I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 66 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast, where we will be taking a close look at a film chosen by our very special guest host. So as you know, we are halfway through our new theme, which is Good versus Evil. Today we are joined by Paul Sterrett, who has decided that on this episode, we're going to be chatting about The Witch. So Paul, thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Paul. I um, I'm an actor, you know, by trade. I've been in a, a few things here or there, uh, stage and screen. Currently, uh, about to shoot for something called a True Mismatch, uh, Victorian sort of period drama thing. And I'm a big lover of film, and I can't wait to to dive in. And I actually have. One question for for both of you. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) What's the question? (laughs) Would you like to live? Oh, very good. Hot and stuff. Was that you? Did you actually actually end the film? (laughs) Well, I can't really confirm or deny. I, I might have been in the goat. (laughs) <laughs> mm, yeah is it the witch or is it the vivitch <laughs> <laughs> i always thought that as well just uh, it's a very funny design choice yeah yes. i don't know when gary sent it over he did spell it as the vivitch and i went i'm pretty sure it's the witch i don't know what else that could possibly be um but yeah is it just the use of the font or is that actually how the i think it's a font thing <laughs> It's just how you write it now. Okay. Hmm. Interesting, just to tweak it up a wee bit. I suppose there are quite a few films out there. People might get confused. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they could, but there we are. Um, anyway, The Vivitch, The Witch, Potato Patata. Um, good versus evil theme, Paul. I mean, I think the film kind of fits in with that, but tell us about your film choice. So the witch and how it relates to like good and versus evil, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd actually not seen this until fairly recently. And then when I, I saw the, 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 te- you know, like the theme and I was like, Hmm, well, th- I think this would be an interesting one to talk about because you've obviously got like the sort of obvious one where it's like a, f- a pilgrim God fearing family against the the evil witch, but you've also kind of got the dynamics in the family as well uh, that you can play off of as well, and just generally the the whole vibe I think is like trying to fight against this inner evil. So that was why I thought, but it's basically a story of uh, a pilgrim family get exiled from their their compound and have to build a life for their own and then all of a sudden their crops start dying and they start pointing the finger and a baby goes missing and it just gets worse and worse from there yeah it's one for the family isn't it (laughs) what were you going to say gary no i i I really like the film as well and i think it's interesting because we don't really ever find out why the film is like exiled like it's obviously to do with something to do with the dad and his beliefs, but they don't really go into it too much, which I find interesting. But whatever it is, mm. like his pride is too much to turn back. Yeah, you definitely get like the feeling that he's 
thinking he's doing religion right in mm-hmm. his way or the highway kind of thing. And they're like, whoa, you're kind of going a bit too far for us, buddy. You know, get get lost. And then mm. yeah. definitely something like that, I'm sure. 100%. 100%, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know why I said it like that. I did enjoy the film. Um, I'm a big wuss, as we all know. So um, I was trying to describe it last night to my mum. It's not like a horror feel. It's more like... Um, like kind of ghost story sort of feel to it. There's like a sense of foreboding. Like yeah, like it doesn't feel like a horror because everything's sort of cleared up in the end and like it's already established throughout like who, what it is, what's happening, things like that. And the, the, there's like a lot of conflict obviously between the family. It's not so much, there's not really any other sources and throughout the film you're sort of going, is it imagination? And it's not until we actually see the first witch that you're like oh this is actually happening and it feels very kind of dreamlike doesn't it it was uh, a good choice some great actors in there as well and not a film that I think I had heard of but it seems like just kind of like one of those little golden nuggets on Netflix there's quite a few films like that isn't there where not a lot of people know about it and it's just kind of out there it's interesting you say that because I actually worked in the cinema when this came out originally (laughs) And uh, I knew some people uh, who just wanted to go see a horror film and they went to go see The Witch and they were like, oh, I thought that was terrible. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't scary at all. There wasn't like any jump scares or anything. And I was just like, huh. Those people are weird. They're weird. <laughs> I I was like, uh, I hadn't watched, you know, I've not watched it for years or anything. So then I finally watched it for the first time and I was like, this is amazing. And then it was <laughs> like, really... I think Robert Eggers' stuff reminds me a lot of Ari Aster a bit, where it's not mm-hmm. all yeah. about the the jump scares. It's more about the the sort of sense of foreboding or yeah, it's gonna happen or something's weird. It's disturbing, like in a weird. Like I was also getting a lot of midsummer, midsummer uh, vibes as well through it of everything just being a bit weird and you're sort of like, should we be watching this? Is this normal? Should this, is this allowed? Um, There's actually a connection. Yeah. Uh, two films, horror films, and you don't quite know how to say them properly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but when we had Ruben on, he said, I believe it's Midsommar, and I don't know if that was like a wind-up or if it is. Actually, <laughs> so one of the two again, potato, potato. Um, lovely. Well, on that note, we all seem to be like quite positive about it. Where are we sitting with our ratings out of ten? Then I would go nine out of ten on this film. This is probably my third time watching it. Um, oh my gosh! Every time I watch it, I just I see something new or I learn something new. Um, the performances are great, as we've said, and yeah, I think uh, Robert Eggers, Jordan Peele, and Ari Aster are like the future of horror just now, and it's just great to see like like their original films like this. This is obviously Eggers' debut feature, and just the creativity in it is amazing, you know, and it's like less is more. So it's almost a lot of the film is left up to your imagination as well. He doesn't like throw it down your face. So yeah, I can't can't fault it. Yeah. What about you, Paul? 
Oh, I think I might have to agree. Yeah, it's it's like an eight point five or a nine for me, definitely for sure. I'll say nine because it's it's there's. I I always think back to that person at the cinema said, "Ah, oh, it's rubbish. There's no jump scares." But I found it, you know, the waiting, the dread for the next part to happen, so much more engaging than just like, uh, you know, at the end scene, it's not the goat jumps out. I know where and everything <laughs> like stuff, yeah, yeah. And stuff. I think there's maybe one bit you could consider a jump scare in the whole film where the the witch is in the tent with them and like yeah. turns mm-hmm. around. That's probably about it. It's like those long drawn out moments that you can't look away from. Like you're like, I'm watching it and I can't quite see what's happening, but I need to know and I want to know. And I'm going to hate myself for it because I'm going to get really freaked out and I don't want to be, but I can't stop. It's almost hypnotic as if you are bewitched. Didn't even oh. plan that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, anyway, here is a little synopsis before I start breaking into Bewitched. In fact, I didn't see what I was writing, did I? Um, I'm giving it probably an 8.8. Room, f- room for discussion, obviously. Um, in 1630 New England, panic and despair surrounds a farmer, his wife and their children when youngest son Samuel suddenly vanishes. The family blame Thomason, the oldest daughter who was watching the boy at the time of his disappearance. With suspicion and paranoia mounting, twin siblings Mercy and Jonas suspect Thomason of witchcraft, testing the clan's faith, loyalty and love to one another. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. to share our three positive points. Uh, Gary, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so my point ties quite nicely into what Paul was saying about the people went to the cinema and came out going, oh, it's not scary, it's it's not a horror film. Uh, for me, this is very much a horror film. I mean, a baby gets stolen and killed in like the first like 10 minutes of the film that doesn't get much more horrific than that. But it's one of my favourite genres which is folk horror rather than just a horror film and this ticks all the boxes for it so you know you've got this family who leave their local surroundings for the countryside nature plays a huge part in this genre and it obviously does in this like it's set run about the woods and I think there's a scene in it where the family actually once it's once they've got kicked out and they arrive at their cottage they kneel down and like prey to the trees and the land. Uh, other signs in it is it's mostly set during the day. That's a big folk horror thing is like it's it's not jump scares as we spoke about. It's like what's happening in the daylight is more freaky. Uh, folk horror films usually have usually 
weird songs and chants, and this movie does, especially with the two twins singing about Black Philip. And then there's always some sort of weird supernatural going on, whether it's real or just the kill or the people believe in it. And then with folk horror, it often ends in a sacrifice, which I would say this film does as well. Um, but I would say Robert Eggers takes it a wee bit further as well. Like It's obviously set in the 16th century, you know, he really embraces that with the costumes, the the old English tongue. I'm sure we'll speak about that more, about the way the characters talk in this film. I'm sure I read somewhere as well that the music in the film, the score, is created by instruments that were only around back then. Just details in the set are amazing as well. The lighting looks so natural. You know, it's either the lit with daylight or moonlight or it's candles or lanterns, you know. It really does feel like we're in this setting. Sometimes when I was watching it, I felt like it was watching a stage play, you know, because there's very little music and it is that old English tongue and it's usually just one backdrop for a full scene, things like that. I was wondering that myself, actually. At certain points I was like, I wonder what it was like uh, learning lines for this. It must have been a lot like learning a Shakespeare play. Yeah. Just with the, the language and they're using it. It's, it's out, you know, nothing really sounds out of place. So I imagine they probably uh, were researching that quite a bit and just getting all the, the right language. And it really adds to it, you know. And I like the point you made about um, daylight, uh, everything happening in the daylight, because you think about like Wickerman, another sort of famous folklore thing, he gets burned during broad daylight, you know, right yeah. at the end and uh, spoilers for Wickerman but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, that happens in broad daylight they're all singing their chants and wearing their goat's heads and stuff like that and uh, same with Midsummer. you know, he gets burned in broad daylight and all this stuff's happening there it's same, same spoilers with for Midsummer. Spoilers, spoilers for Midsummer. <laughs> well, well, you know, both so. films have been on the podcast so they've obviously already watched all of the films we've discussed Naturally, so. of course <laughs> um, um, and yeah, so I, I totally agree uh, do you want me to go into one of my positives? Uh, you can, I'll just finish off with saying another thing that I really liked about this 16th century feel is the film feels dirty and muddy and like it's just grey skies and they're covered in dirt, it's horrible to look at you know, you really feel like, it, it gives you this sense of reality as well, like this could actually happen to any of us Go Sure um, So mine is basically any time the witch is on screen which isn't actually a lot um, and I want more but I know if I, it's probably already about the right amount to sort of scare you. Uh, just anything like involving, like straight away, like the baby snatch scene, mm -hmm. really well done, you know, like closes our eyes and then boom, it's gone. And then uh, you're in a shadowy cave and you don't even see her face. You just see this old, for some reason, it's always freakier when they're naked. Yes. I don't know why, but it's always freakier. She's just naked. She's like, and then you're just, you don't even see her really kill it. I mean, even just the scene where she's got her hand on the baby is quite uncomfortable. And yeah. then uh, she's like mashing whatever is left in this bowl. And, and, and I think the scene that's really quite cool is where she's obviously shape-shifting and she's just looking at the moon and it's like pulling back out and it sort of goes from her shape into like, a, what is it, a raven or something? Uh, mm -hmm. Just staring at the moon, it's so cool. And any time you see that rabbit 
is that or is a freaky ass rabbit that was one of my notes <laughs> just yeah <laughs> it's a freaky ass rabbit that's just got these weird eyes staring at like sort of at you and then again sort of more of the witchcraft stuff you like towards the end as well it's like you don't have a lot of supernatural stuff in this film about a, a witch but then right at the end when uh anna taylor joy goes up in the air and she's spinning around it's like oh my god because because there's been so little of the supernatural right at the end when you get it it's like whoa. so yeah any scene with a witch was like i, I was like a, that was a big positive for me yeah i mean see that scene with the baby actually um i struggled to see any of that I don't know why. Again, I don't know if that was my red lighting on the TV or anything like that at all. Um, I mean, I saw immediately that her hand was on the baby and there was a knife. And I was like, no, please don't. Please don't. And then it was just flashes of like blood. And I was like, okay, I can gather what's happening. Maybe not seeing it add more level, but I didn't see like shape shifting, but I just saw like weird sort of shapes. Well, it's quite interesting. I don't want to go into it too much because it's part of my next point, but... What she's actually doing there is obviously she kills the baby and grinds it up. So she's grinding oh, up the baby God. and she's covering herself in the baby's blood and guts and bits and bobs. And that's based on an old folk tale about witches and that's how witches could fly on brooms as they would kill a baby and then, you know, rub themselves in all the bits and then they would be able to like levitate and if you look at the scene closely that scene with the moon at first of all she's on a broomstick and she's coming up into the moon and just before that she's like lying on the grass and you're right Rebecca it's really dark and shadow so you really need to watch but she's covering this broomstick uh, on in the guts and bits and bobs as well um, and I think it's interesting that we don't see at the end of the film what happens to Mercy and Jonah but I think it's interesting that they disappear and then when Thomas goes into the woods, they're all able to levitate. So I feel like they've kidnapped those oh. two kids as well. But that's kind of left but up to the imagination. Me- Mercy kind of had it coming, I felt. Yeah. yeah. She <laughs> was maybe, definitely a Mary Warren, wasn't she? Maybe it's not um, babies, maybe it's children. Maybe. maybe but... I actually thought it was more to do with youth, like to make them look young. Well, I I got that as well because I thought um, obviously she's an old haggard thing, but then when, when she's it. appealing to Caleb, mm-hmm. uh, she's this. So I, I thought there was a maybe a bit of a youth thing, but that I suppose that could just be like a spell as well. But I I really like that. No, if I if I need any notes about the occult, uh, Gary, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll come to you. <laughs> my my first point is kind of like a combination of what you both have already sort of mentioned and it was just um really bit I just loved the use of tension and suspense throughout the film. So there was like a lot of trickery, like a lot of um spellbound. <laughs> um there's a lot of things that you were sort of being tricked into and the way that the camera was always pointed, it was almost as if you were led to believe something's gonna emerge very soon and nothing ever did which kind of makes you feel uncomfortable because you're like, well, the film's almost tricking me now. Like, where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, all of the shots of just looking into the woods, it's almost as if your mind is creating 
shapes like from the branches and the shadows and the darkness like something's going to come out of there but what's it going to be again like the use of candlelight and the music was just unbelievable like at the very beginning after they've had their is it before or after probably after they've had the trial and they start they've they've decided we're away and the journey to where the farm where they're going the music is just so Oh, it's gripping. Distressing. It's, yeah. Um, so much so that I said to my partner, this actually feels like too much. Like, I feel like it's just taking me out of it a wee bit. But it, but on the opposite end, I'm like, no, no, that had to be like that. It's almost as if it's setting the bar. Like, yeah, the music's going to be like this. There's going to be a lot of darkness and babies are going to die. Yeah, I watched this with Karen as well and that music at the start and throughout it it's like it's it's not screechy but it's piercing yeah, it's quite jarring and, and it was like making karen feel uncomfortable actually when i was watching it with her and i was like yes it's, it's doing the job then you know <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want you know put the volume right up and <laughs> some of those shots as well of the trees like the cinematography where it just lingers mm. a little too long on the trees so you start looking for something yeah. And there's nothing there. Another film that does something quite similar is the film called The Ritual. And that does it as well. It just holds on trees. So you start looking for something and then something does move. And you're like, shit. You yeah. know? And this, it, it's, it's deceiving. Nothing moves. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like almost as well when you're looking at the <laughs> the wild hair um, that's having some problems. Um when you're staring at that and like the eyes are looking back at you and you're almost like, it's not going to say or do anything because it's an animal. And then when the dog goes running off and you're sort of like, Whoa, no, like, no, please don't. <laughs> it's the same though when it gets like close-ups of Black Phillip's eye. Yeah. And you're just watching and you're like, it's going to do something. It's going to. But then but we're you're just watching a goat. You're watching yeah. a then it stands up yeah. <laughs> on its hind legs. It's the freakiest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're tricked a lot with that goat, though, aren't we? Because So when you just watch this then, this is kind of going to my second point, but it's fine. Um, like, it's 100% believe, one, the witch is there, right? And two, Black Philip is the devil. That's what you just get from it, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, or the, that they've moved there. And pretty much straight away, the witch has sort of sussed them out and has somehow made a coven with the... Like, I don't know if like a goat is a particular like vessel for the devil, you know what I mean? So yeah. she's like done something to the goat, maybe? Because it, it, at the end, when uh, Thomason signs the book, it's definitely a man in the room. It's transformed... Like it's very, very dark, but it's a hand that like goes round her sh- shoulder, not a hoof. <laughs> I think so. I would have. I think that's when I would have like just totally lost the film. If they had done a hoof on her shoulder, <laughs> I think I'd be like, "Oh, you've ruined it! You've ruined it now." Yeah, because even the fact that it starts talking, you're like, "What is going on?" Like, so who is that? Also, is it the goat? Yeah. Mer- Mercy and Jonah weren't lying. If we are to believe what we're seeing at the the end. But I was just kind of going, to, is that okay? To my second yeah. point, yeah. Um, I've just gone to my second point then about like, so if the witch is real, 
um, which we all are in agreement it sheds, then what's her plan, you know? And for me, it is basically her plan is to adopt Thomasin into their cult, you know, by separating her from her family. And so to do this, she steals the baby when it's in the care of Thomasin. So she gets the blame for that. I think Mercy and Jonah know about the witch from the start as soon as they, they move there. And that's through, if we're led to believe, Black Philip is talking to them. Then I would say it's the same witch. You usually agree it's the same witch that kidnaps Caleb then. So we only ever see one witch until the very end. Well, this was going to be Matt. This is what I was wondering because obviously at the end I was quite surprised to see there were so many. So I've got mm-hmm. questions about that. My questions are, who are these other women? Who are these other witches? Are they witches? Are they... Is this just the curse of the farm? Because we're not. it's not as if we see them show up to this farm and they go, it's been haunted for years. People disappear. Blah, blah, blah. We don't yeah. have any of that haunted house nonsense. We just go, okay, this is where they live now. And then it's almost... I don't know. It felt quite instant for me. But then looking at the crops, it felt like they'd been there a while. But I'm pretty sure Mercy says that she she saw the witch. Yeah, but I don't know if she was making it up at that point to then start blaming Thomason for things. And they've definitely been there a while because when Thomason and Caleb were walking through the woods, going to the, the bear trap that they've, they've got, um, they talk about windows. And in their old place that they had, they used to have windows. And Caleb's been here that long that he can't remember what a window looks like. And right. I found that quite interesting, you know. So like they've been there. Then that, that could just be the the effect of living somewhere so rural where there is yeah. no one around you. Like it could have that sort of impact. Um, leaving I mean, the leaving the city with electricity and <laughs> and theatre and live shows to go into the the grubby countryside (laughs) (laughs) Um, so just to go back then um, we've got Mercy and Jonah who know about the witches were said through Black Phillip then the witch kidnaps Caleb but through seduction and but she gives him back and I think she gives him back so that she can get almost into the house so it's to me it's almost like that vampire thing where you have to be almost welcomed in or find a way into the family and I think that's part of like him bringing up the rotten apple and things like that is like her being released into their their home because it's after that that the kate dickie starts having the dream yes Mm -hmm. Uh, and then by that stage the twins are already shouting about thomasin being a witch so that's helping you know really separate her from the the family do you agree that the witch can definitely therefore transform because i think there's many variations of the witch in this We've got the old woman at the start. I also think the rabbit or the hare is is the witch as well. The lady of lust, I was calling her, the one um, with Caleb. I also think, though, that when Kate Dickey um, sees Caleb and Sam at the end, that's another transformation. She's pretending to be them. And then with all that, you can either look at Black Phillip as the witch or, you know, as the devil. But I would say the devil. Yeah, because uh, in the sort of dream that Kate, Dickie has and it's uh, Caleb and Samuel and stuff back and then you see her and she's sat there with uh, like an empty blanket or something and a raven 
Yeah. She's done. I think the Raven might be the witch. You know, totally. Because you see her, that's what she transforms into when she's on the broom as well, mm-hmm. way, way back. So I think for sure that that's yeah. definitely the witch. I, I think that for me, the even what we were talking about before, just like false sense of security, just that scene, I remember when you go, oh, you've not put the goats down for the night, you know, go into the barn and you just go into the barn and it's that damn hare or rabbit just sitting there amongst all the goats and it's just yeah it's just a rabbit sat amongst goats but it looks weird as fuck well if we <laughs> totally and actually i forgot about that scene paul so if you take that scene alone then with everything we've just discussed there basically that could be the witch and the devil sitting making out their plans making out their plans about what they're <laughs> going to do now the rabbit's like doing Morse code on the floor, like um, yeah. Is it, I feel like it's hard to like keep track. I just always, I just assumed by the end that there was probably more than one. I, I think there is why. more than one, but it's one that's like. Well, then that made me think of like the likes of the Crucible or something like that, or that like her mission is to try and not almost like recruit these women and um a bit like in midsummer um when we have you know a character that is the the main character that's um family are gone she needs family she needs support she needs security she needs a trust and things like that and almost like this cult like gives her that back and accepts Mm -hmm. her in as one and she becomes part of that family almost kind of feels like that with Thompson because immediately from the very beginning of the film even though they are all together and there's not like a reason, there's no one's actually said anything directly but I always felt that Thompson is the outsider yeah. because you know she's a woman, she's young, she is going to be married out, she's expected to do her big share of the childcare, looking after everything and immediately as, which I mean, understandably so. I can understand why, you know, the the mum would be so heartbroken to have put her baby in the in the trust of her firstborn child to then go missing. We don't know what happened, and to be asking what happened, and you know, your daughter coming back to you and saying, "I don't know. We we're playing peekaboo and opened my eyes, and the baby was gone." Like that's all I remember. There almost feels like the witch's actions are making her look more and more like an outsider. To make her, and it's almost like Caleb is probably the one glimmer of hope that's like, I'm going to look after you. At, like, you're not going anywhere, I'll keep you safe. And well, she gets rid of him, doesn't she? Well, they're all they're all technically afraid of uh, Thomas. And uh, mm-hmm. even if you take away the witch part of it, right, it's, it's they're afraid of her womanhood in it. So, yeah. anyway, you've got Kate Dickey, the mum, who's afraid now that. You know, Thomason is becoming a woman, but because they have now been outcasted as a family, like, we, we, what do you do with like this this new woman? Like, she's not going to have a man. Like she's not going to have a man because of where they're, they're where they're living. They're she's going to start a time of the month, and uh, she should have a job now. But there's none of that, so you've got that fear from the mum. You've also got Caleb, who's fearful of her because he's starting to lust after his mm-hmm. own sister as well so there's there's a kind of fear factor there and then you know you've got the twins who are more playfully fearful of her like because she's the big sister who 
not doesn't necessarily bully, but you know, there's that scene where she pretends to be the witch just to wind her wee sister up. So you've just got that alone, and then you bring in the fact that there's a witch yeah. in the woods blaming Thompson for everything as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So the girl totally. can get a break. <laughs> That's really cool, actually. It sort of touches on my second um, uh, positive, is that it. everyone, uh, just about every character in this film is hiding something from everyone. Um, so you've got the father, who is, I, I think William's like a great character, but he's got them kicked off. I mean, you know it's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason and he goes to her and he builds it and he's like this this farm is going to work it's going to be the best thing ever you know we're, we're going to move city we're going to move house we're going to do our own thing and it's going to be the best thing ever and then the crops are turning to rubbish and everything's just not going right everyone's miserable but he just refuses to see it. it's like it's gonna work it's gonna work i sold the cup you know but just you know you blame it on your sister and stuff and blew on him so his is pride for sure like his is like he's just so it's gonna work i have to do it i think um catherine's uh one is resentment because she resents thomason for losing the kid she resents her husband uh for dragging her out here also she says that she resents him for like making her move to america in the first place because they were happy in england um, so she, I feel like hers is just constantly just like resenting where she's at. Oh, uh, can I jump in there? So, are, yeah. is this, are they in America? Yeah, yeah, New England. England. See, I never got that at all. And neither, neither did Carrie when she watched it, she thought they were in Scotland. <laughs> so, that's <laughs> interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even I, see, learn something new every time you watch it. The sort of New England, um, uh, witch sort of trials, isn't that what they were? Yeah. So, uh, but. Kate Dickey, uh, yeah, she's like just in constant resentment of everyone. Our two other Waynes won't shut up. The other Wayne lost the other Wayne, and uh, our husband's doing nothing. And then uh, uh, Caleb's one is that, yeah, like you said, he's there's that scene where he just looks a little bit too long at his sister when she's sleeping, and you, you kind of feel for him because it's like I would say he's probably the most the the most pure of heart in the whole. Thing. And he's just a boy hitting puberty, but he's in the middle of nowhere and he's in this pretty strict religious upbringing and he's just, you know, he goes out Fear into the woods. Fear of being riddled with sin. And exactly, yeah. Sin. How do I know if I'll go to hell or not? And... So he's got this whole thing in his head of, you know, uh, uh, oh, I'm, i got to hide this this lust, but, you know, it, just, it keeps picking her up and that's why, you know, when the witch goes from that way, it's like the perfect way to... To get yeah. them, uh, and the twins themselves are there, and they're hiding the fact that they're talking to the the devil. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then Thomason, like you said as well, is like she's constantly feeling like an outsider. She doesn't want to say, it. you know, she hears her mum talking about selling her to another family to make money and stuff, and you know, she doesn't say. But eventually, towards the end, it's like, hey, you, you were gonna sell me, and secretly she's been having this resentment towards our whole family build up you know so i think that's just one thing in the film is everyone is hiding something from each other until eventually it starts all coming out it's interesting as well the fact that it is that's opened up a whole new light for me that it's set in america i think i didn't get that because it's just this one family so there's nothing much it's like there's no american flags in it for instance obviously um <laughs> 
Oh, but, say can you see. <laughs> but what's interesting about that is most folk horror films are not set in America because America is too new. They've not got the old pagan religions or anything like that. America is too new to have this history. So the fact that, again, Robert Eggers has managed to go and pull this off is, is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that kind of goes on quite nicely to my uh, last point. And, Paul, you kind of touched on quite a lot of it there, but it's this theme of religion through it as well. Um, the family believe so strongly in their Christian ways that it, ends up ultimately breaking them. You know, the dad says to Caleb at one point that Sam, the baby, must have sinned to be taken away. I mean, how can how can a baby actually sin? And then Caleb starts then worrying about himself. Catherine and it says that the family think they are well, the family think they're being punished and that's because they are unworthy of God's love. Um I think there's a part in it as well it might be Catherine who says that they've been punished for not baptising baptizing Caleb. Um, and what I think is interesting about the film is the devil is clearly in this in one way or another, whether that be through Black Philip as the devil or the witches. Um, but there's no signs of God in this movie. No matter how much the family pray, there is no presence of God in any way. Yeah. And I think maybe the film's saying that maybe we should just give up in religion and the rules and, and you'll have a better life because by the end, uh, Thomason looks like she's going to have a better life, you know? But even throughout the film, as we've said, uh, Thomason can't do right for wrong, even when she's agreeing with her parents. So there's that scene where um, Kate Dickey's shouting at Jonah and Mercy to stop fighting and... Thomason also tells him to stop, but then she gets into trouble for that, you know. Um, she also lies for her father when he's uh, sold the silver cup, and he doesn't even thank her for it in the slightest. And Thomason um, actually doesn't become or join the witch cult until she has nothing left. But when you look at it at the end, did she have anything to lose in the first place? You know, she's no food, no love. She's a family that's basically lied to her and started to hate her. Um, they've believed that she is a witch. And I think that's why at the end, to go back to Midsummer, um, in both those films, it ends with her main characters being welcomed into a group that will accept her for who she is, even though the group could be pure evil. <laughs> but both characters at the end of the films smile. Yeah. Like, they've found their happiness in that. And I think yeah. that's really interesting. And for what we were saying there, like, about, uh, you know, Caleb, the dad, and the mum, they're all, like, Paul was saying that they're hiding something. It's actually forms of sin. You know, the, Caleb is lusting after his sister. The dad has mm. got too much pride the mum is almost wrath by the end. You know, she hates her daughter that much. So, yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of religious symbolism in it. You've got the apples as well, you know. Yeah, but even though you've got all these religious symbolisms, I actually think it's basically saying give up on your religion and you, you may actually be a better person <laughs> or a more happy person. 
it's definitely there's definitely that sort of thing to it. At least with uh, it's like there's a an invisible cage that's basically in their heads, uh, and they could all be a bit happier and worry a bit less. You know, it's grief stricken enough. You know, to have your newborn snatched away from you, but they're torturing themselves. You know, you hear that bit where they're arguing. You know, our son is in hell. You know, all because he didn't have water dribbled on his head mm-hmm. um yeah. and they're, they're torturing themselves and there's just little instances throughout the film where it's like because it's it's not it's not even um i'm not even sure if it's like religion in general i think it might be fundamentalism you know just like this crazy because that's why they've moved because i'm yeah. dead certain that they've moved because the father's like this this co- this pilgrim compound isn't frankly enough religious enough for me like so you've you've all got to raise yourself to my level and then eventually yeah. the pilgrims are like listen we've kind of had enough of you so can you go and then yeah. he goes i'm gonna go build up my own thing and then we're we're gonna be the most religious family and you're gonna come and want to live on my compound that's what yeah. i think he's sort of and then so i think that the fundamentalism and he's like take your extremism you know down a notch and you would all yeah. be a lot happier what's mm-hmm. interesting about that then and taking it back to like paganism which is obviously to do well it's not to do with witches but witches are to do with paganism i guess um what's interesting is christian or christianity basically went through the uk as a new religion and tried to get rid of any other pagan religions and that's why you know easter and christmas were pagan ceremonies not christian and they kept them uh, and christian churches were built on top of pagan churches of pagan sites and things like that so maybe this film as well if we take your reading of it paul that you know this extremist christian has been kicked out of this community maybe it's almost like he's came from the uk to america with these christian beliefs and tried to even spread this you know christian belief further and eventually they've kind of went no no Away you go, and in a way he's punished for taking it overseas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. My next point was just going to be, we've kind of touched on it already, was just how a lot of the conflict um, and just everything that happens is just very family-focused. It's almost like we're in the Big Brother house, like the worst Big Brother house ever of just, it's all very contained. It's not as if there's conflict with, like, the next door neighbour or someone down the road, it's like them against this entity, but rather than grouping together, it's almost as if, oh, you must be a witch, so the three of you are all witches, so you need to go in the shed. Like, it's very much the fear of this entity and their beliefs take over any reason of what just happened a few minutes ago of, oh, no, I love you, you're my daughter, I would never do anything to, oh, no, you're a witch, and you go, and you go, come on, learn your lesson. Can I jump um, in there a wee second, right? I don't know, go think about what you've done. <laughs> see, see, see that scene where he does like lock them in, like the, the woodshed type or the barn, right? Is you also watch it like that is terrible, but there's a small scene, literally blinking, you'll miss it, where Mercy and Jonah have misbehaved, so he's just tied them to the gate. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> It happens like, a lot. Like it's the weird punishment. I loved that scene as well. It made me laugh a wee bit because the, you know the three of them are sitting like looking at each other, and they're like, "Are you a witch?" And she's like, "No." Are you a witch? And they're like, "Are we?" 
Nah, I don't think so. No. <laughs> it was, um, again, just so ridiculous as well. Like, just... Which kind of led me into a bit of... Have we just imagined these witches? Has this just been a thing? Has Caleb just, like, ate something bad that he shouldn't have ate? And, like, that's what's happened. I don't know. There was there was sometimes... We, that's what I mean with the trickery of leading you into a false, false sense of security. But... um. Has all this just been like one instance of an annoying child's imagination and a bit of harmless bullying gone way too well, far? Well, that's that's what the crucible was because it was all about them sort of um, going into the woods, let's dance naked. Someone sees them, sees that as witch-like behaviour. Um, they all go on a trial and rather than just admitting and taking the lashing for it of, you know, behaving so inappropriately, we decide to go down a witch route and start pointing the finger at everyone that everyone's, you know, that dies at the end pretty much because we can't we can't just tell the truth and because of that lifestyle and that environment we, we just automatically leave believe it. We believe that because that's what we're brought up to believe. Whereas it's just ridiculous. It's just children, like, totally making things up. It's yeah, interesting as well, Rebecca, that you say that, because this was in my notes, but we're kind of hinting on it already, is there is other, there's two other readings of this film, and I can't take uh, credit for finding this because I heard it on another podcast, but one of them is that the fungus that is, the, is rotting on the corn is the type of fungus it is in real life is actually a hallucinogenic mm. and the corn that's rotting is actually making them see crazy stuff and do crazy things and it's actually all in their head the full thing and I quite like that idea I do as well, well because it does feel like their behaviour is all really crazy because like Sam's just been like butchered and torn apart and everything everyone's grieving because he's been lost and destroyed by wolves is what like the belief is yeah, the next day we're, we're tricking about how, oh yeah, I'm a witch, I'll get you next, and almost like making a joke, making light of it, and trying to twin Thomas and then Mercy's like she's on the floor with her, and I'll get you too, just like I got Sam and things like that. And you're almost like, well, hang on, it has just died, <laughs> it has just disappeared. Uh, you all seem to be coping with it better than expected. You have to move on quick in pilgrim life, you know. This is it. it. Like, there's no... The other reading of it is actually the only part of this story that's real is the part where they are in the community at the start and when those doors close and they walk out into the field, everything after that point is fake in a way because the full title of this... um, Let me flick it up. The full title of this is The Witch, A New England Folktale. So it's almost mm. like this family left the village or were kicked out and there's like, you know, old folktales of what happened to them. This is this type of stories you tell your kids at night before bed. So actually mm. none of it's real. And I quite like that as well. That That is cool because you can imagine maybe even, oh yeah, we did have to exile a family. And they probably starved to death in the wilderness. But that's not much of a story. So let's tell them they built a house, yeah. but their crops were all rotten and they, they didn't believe enough. And now they're yeah. cursed by a witch and their baby was eaten and stolen. And 
Yeah. So now do your prayers before bed. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of discussion. Um, I know when doing lockdown links, we did have a couple of um, guests on that spoke about how they were looking at the witch trials and things like that, and um, how so many women. When the when the fingers pointed at them, obviously we see it in films and things, and you're like, oh my god, that's terrible. But in reality, it was just horrendous, like horrific how these women, you know, if you didn't, um, you were tied to the bottom of the whatever it was, the lake or the river, and if you didn't uh, swim back up, that meant you weren't a witch, you know. But if you did, then it meant you were a witch. So so many women died because guess what, the money a witch because wasn't yeah. real and then, very, very old testament kind yeah, of uh, like that, punishments for people absolutely. that were relying on new testament stuff you know to yeah. be more like jesus you know like i feel kind of like at the end of this film um obviously in the reality of the film you know thomason well if we're not going down those two theories that gary said um thomason joins them because yeah. she's like, they can give me what I want and what I need. And it's almost as if it's like embracing it, embracing it as a lifestyle. I'd get like, at the end of midsummer, you're like, yeah, all those people that you spent time with are terrible. They're horrible people, apart from one of them, which unfortunately we've lost. But probably at the end of the day, you would go, you know what? Fuck it. I've had enough. I've had enough of being exiled and made to feel like a fool and made to feel different or whatever. I'm just going to join them because they can give me what I want. And that's security and love. Just well, like to me... To me, this film has got a happy ending, you know, mm-hmm. and it's more than just, you know, Thomas and Smell at the end. Like, there's, I know they're all naked and dancing around a fire, but there's this acceptance of womanhood and we're mm-hmm. not going to be fucked over by the guy and we're going to do what we want and we don't need to follow these rules of religion or these rules of I'm going to have to go and be someone's maid or someone's servant, you know. Who needs a, a soul anyway? You know, nah. but yeah, to be yeah. fair, she's probably going to have to eat some babies to fly. But at the end of the day, they're all in it together. <laughs> now she might be a good witch. She might just like you know transport herself with bubbles and things like that, and uh, just you know get the bus. <laughs> nobody, nobody gets to fly like that and live deliciously without there being significant <laughs> price to pay. Mm. So that they are all getting. Like they might be flying high, literally, right now, but yeah, no, I, I think it's very much a cautionary ending because those they they are gonna get fucked at some <laughs> point. I, yeah. Maybe literally, I don't know. But um, <laughs> um, that, that's actually kind of brings into my my third point. I just want to highlight the the whisper scene mm-hmm. uh, in particular. I know we've sort of mentioned it already, but just brilliant you know uh, I wasn't expecting it the first time round just seeing the goat leader into the tent so Paul just just in case our listeners can't remember the exact scene do you want to explain it for them okay yeah so basically everything has come to a head at this point and uh, William the dad's been gored by the goat and uh, gored by the goat gored by say that ten times and uh, (laughs) Catherine, the mother, has been uh, basically stabbed by uh, Thomason because she tried to attack her. She'd like had enough. Caleb's dead, and uh, the twins are missing. And then um, Thomason basically goes into their uh, their their house and puts her head down and basically goes to sleep because she's just like, I don't know what else to do. And I'm 
kind of in shock. And then the goat kind of comes out. She, she sort of like, hmm. She sort of like has this feeling of she just needs to get up. She's been summoned. Mm-hmm. And she gets up and then the goat is waiting outside the house for her. And she just instinctively follows her. Uh, the goat leads her into this, the, the, the keep, the tent where they were keeping the goats. And she follows it in and she sits down and it's enclosed again. They sort of use this enclosed dark space. She sits down and she's just sort of staring across at the goat. And at this point, you only really see Thomas and you don't see the goat. And then all of a sudden it comes out, like I said before. Um, oh, what was it he says first? Um, uh, is it what is it that you want? What is it you, you want? And she says, what is it you can give? And he says... The taste uh, of butter. The taste of butter and a pretty dress. Mm-hmm. And then, would you like to live deliciously? Yeah. There's some ASMR for everyone. <laughs> um, and he's saying all this in this sort of hushed whisper where everything is very... It's almost like it's. it sounds very wet in his voice. It's very seductive. And very seductive, and it's uh, it's 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 very effective. Like it's just out of nowhere. This, I mean, and a part of the mystique of is that you don't see the goat, but mm. you know it's the goat saying it, and it's just this. <laughs> it's it's just this freaky thing, and it's so cool. Uh, and then, like you said, it's not a goat that comes back around. It's this you even see a bit of like what he's wearing and it's like mm-hmm. this leather. scary leather looking garb you know and he puts his hand on her shoulder and then not she, his hoof not his hoof his, his not hand. His hoof. <laughs> 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 but it's just i just wanted to highlight that scene in particular you know it's it's very i mean to think about it it's a very simple scene like quite a lot of the scenes in this is very simple scene but there's like a foreboding and there's like this false sense of security i'm just going into a Hut with a goat. Goat's yeah. walked in there. I'm following it, and and then it's just you hear the whisper, and it's like so out of place, but it's really cool, and it just draws you, and you're like, oh, yeah. And it's the it's interesting because literally, Black Philip has been mentioned so much through the film, and we as an audience by this point are so curious: is he real? Is he the devil? Is he talking? But now that Thomas has got nothing left to lose either we are just as curious as her and if we were in her shoes by this point we would probably be walking into that absolutely not and be like 100 percent, no way i'd be like i'm away cheerio Um, and i wouldn't be and i wouldn't be going in the the house and going i'll just have a wee sleep get no way i'm away cheerio and i'll just let them catch me in the woods because that's fine I think what's interesting, though, about that scene and how she's got nothing left to lose is to go back to something Rebecca said earlier as well, is we never leave this family, and that's, again, to do with the dad's pride. So the fact that we never leave, we can't escape. So we, we as an audience, can't escape this horror the same as the, the family. Uh, if you look at other horrors that, you know, like... I don't know if it's a slasher horror, you know, you always cut away to the police station reporting on the crime or, you know, how it's affecting other people in the family or whatever, but we are stuck in this dirty, grimy cottage and woods with them 
And so when, you know, Kate Dickey's character, the mum, is going, please, let's go back to the village, let's get help. Every time that dad says no, he's and his pride gets in the way, we're like, please, just go, leave now. <laughs> it's not cutting back to all the, the pilgrim people going, huh, I wonder how that family we exiled yeah. is going on. <laughs> They're having, like, a big party, a big feast and things. That's what it is. If there, if there was one scene where they cut away, I wouldn't have mind have seen that those um, Native American. You get a bit of the Native Americans right at the start, and I thought, oh, they look really cool. They're like they just they're, they're like really muscly and and stuff. Yeah. And it's literally just one shot of them, but I was like, oh, um, yeah, it's quite an looked. interesting one as mm-hmm. well. Are, are they like bargaining with you know the pilgrims, or, like doing a the trading or something? You know? Yeah, because one of the other things I wondered was. And you just kind of touched on it, and I don't know if it was a guess or uh, there's a sign of it in it. Do they build that house, the family, or is that house there and they take over it? I think they build it. Is think- is the idea? I think they've found. I think he's found like what he thinks is this perfect spot right next to the woods, away yeah. from them, and they've sort of built it. I, I can't remember. Does he? Because he he talks about his plans to build. A bigger like barn and stuff like that, and right. I, I I think that implies that he's maybe he's built. Yeah, no, you might be right. I because I was also wondering like where the the witches living there. Before. And he's just walked in on. And he's well, he's walked. They're out. I don't know, picking babies in the forest. You know, <laughs> and he's moved in. They've come back and went the fuck, and then that's where they went. Right, we're going to basically punish this family for, for this, uh-huh. you know. It's another... That's, that's not bad, actually, yeah. So he's just wandered out. Well, oh, Gary, that they were out <laughs> picking berries. No, babies. <laughs> All right, babies. berries. It's <laughs> <laughs> just been like, eh, new tenants, okay then. We'll pay for that. <laughs> um. I think that's all the points. I think the only other point that I was going to just add is just how I really enjoyed the performances of everyone involved, like particularly the kids. Like special shout out to um Caleb. Yeah, he was great. Um I thought he was his performance was fantastic, quite a lot to unpack and that bit where he's sort of being possessed in the room um is very very believable and doesn't feel gimmicky or anything at all, very true. Um it must have been quite difficult to do. It's a really good point that scene. Um, sorry to cut you off. It was just uh, the bit where he's dying, like towards the end. Here's a question: Do you think when he's dying, he's hallucinating, or do you think he's actually, or like the witch is playing with him, or do you think he's actually off to heaven? Because he basically what he's describing is that he's meeting Jesus, and he's going off into heaven. I personally think the witch is taking the piss out of the family and she's still in control of them there. Uh, I suppose what you're saying is true, can I, Gary? Because I feel like if it was Caleb, he would have been like, there's a witch, she did this, she did that, and he doesn't do that. It's almost mm-hmm. like there's been it's control. And I think in that moment, if he went there as a witch, then you know the, the twins would be getting a, a scalp and they'd be packing their bags and getting out of there. That sort of sort of way, and the apple sort of that he kind of chokes up as well. Again, like it's interesting when you were saying about how it's quite Adam and Eve. Like it actually made me think of the lie that he tells the mum, because he says, 
that him and his dad went looking for an apple tree that he saw and it's almost as if um, that lie has come back to to bite him, really. Um, what do you think, actually, um, as well, on the topic of the children, uh, when the twins are unconscious, when uh, Caleb's going through all his hysteria, do you think they're at it, or do you think that's the witch? I think they're at it. You think I think they're at it, but because we Black Phillip has told them to act mental. Ah, I think he... <laughs> because, um, you know, Caleb's been found outside the barn where they're keeping Black Phillip. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go inside. It's almost like an exorcism scene, in a way. Yeah. Uh, and it's during that that, you know, the kids start going, she's a witch, she's a witch. Uh, knowing that she's not, like, they know she's not if they're talking to Black Phillip. And then they start rolling about and I feel like they've been almost guided on what to do in this situation because the hair and the goat, the black fellow, were having a conversation about it and they burned the barn earlier on. Yeah. I don't know if I think or agree that the black fellow was talking to them at all at any point. I just don't know. I think, I think that's what makes it creepier for me that the kids are very like... We're singing a song about Black Phillip and Black Phillip told us this and stuff. And like obviously like you're like, well, there's no way the goat's actually speaking to them. It's ridiculous. But almost as if like the hysteria of everything that, that's going on in that room. And again, not to take it back to the crucible, but that's exactly what happens in the in the courtroom, isn't it? Where Mary Warren's on the stand and all the girls start copying Mary Warren. So when she points, they point. When she faints, they faint. And um it's almost like they're doing that to prove it out of like fear rather than instruction like they're committing to it I don't know it's weird like I I don't really know how I feel about it but for me it doesn't feel like they've been instructed to do so it feels like they're doing it because they've got no other option because at the minute when he like pulls them off the bed and it's like wait that's enough and they're awake all of a sudden and then put in the hut. It's almost as if the, the, the reaction doesn't feel like fear. It feels like, oh, that was probably just too far. We're, we're, we're just sulking because we took we went too far in our game. Totally ignoring the fact that their brother's upstairs dead. Mm. What do you but, think then? What know. do you think, Paul, as well? Oh, I was under the impression when watching it that they were um, basically under a spell or something, you know, it was mm. of their own volition i thought it was a case of oh uh you know this kindly goat stranger has started talking to us that's cool, imaginary friend <laughs> you know what i mean he's he's telling us all these funny things he's telling us kind of weird things and then all of a sudden all the stuff subs lie in there he just sort of they pass out and then when the dad comes in it's like no 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 back to the christian yeah. stuff What's uh, Jesus? It's interesting then because the the reason I feel like they're taking the piss with instruction from Black Phillip is they're they're acting very different from Caleb. I know he's obviously dying, but it it looks like two Mm. completely different curses. They almost look like the same things happening to them, but the kids are just a wee bit more. Yeah, kids trying to. (laughs) Or else it could be that. The characters are acting, mm-hmm. so it's, it's interesting to look at. No, I, I like that take mm. on it actually because they don't really have interactions with the witch, but um, 
they've always been talking to the goat, whereas Caleb's only interactions really yeah. with the witch and not with Black Phillip. So that's I think that's a good take. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's weird. It's just I think the kids are. We don't really see much though. It's more mercy, isn't it? Again, like the sort of female kind of leading the two of them into like all this trickery, and she's very venomous. She's very sure of what she's saying when she's accusing Thomas. And it's like um, you know they've moved to this place, and they've just happened to move next to where a witch resides in this woods, and she's picked her out. And the witch has sort of scouted the family out and has went, oh, there's one that's of age and suitable to be a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are these God-fearing pilgrim folk, so yeah. we need to separate her. So they basically mm-hmm. enact this plan to separate her from her family while also going about their witchy business. So they can get another witch in the ranks and also ground up some babies while they're at it you know then it's a winning date it's a win-win yeah. you know so <laughs> we've met our quota guys um, we're, we're, we're doing great the thing is as well talking about what rebecca said about mercy's quite nasty to thomasine with like what she's saying so is Catherine kate dickie as the mum. she's quite nasty but if you've got black philip who's the devil who is often portrayed as male, he's actually turning the females against each other in this house to yeah. separate them. Yeah, Definitely. that's a good point. I was actually going to say as well, um, one of my notes was she even, uh, Kate, uh, Catherine even admits that her heart's sort of turned to stone since Samuel has gone. Yeah. So her heart's turned to stone and she's filled with grief. So, and Thomason then feels like neglected. So, Catherine's sort of tending to herself because she's grief-stricken. Thomason's then, her duties are now split between looking after the twins and doing our other normal chores. So that means the twins have been left basically unattended half mm-hmm. the time, which is yeah. how they end up communicating with Black Philip. Because you would think normally, you know, there must be hundreds of pilgrims with goats that aren't yeah. talking to the the devil, you know. So it must be <laughs> there must be like a, a being left alone with a goat for too long is is bad for your pilgrim health kind of thing. You know? So <laughs> and speaking of the cup, uh, did anyone notice it when Kate Dicky goes into her dream mode that it's sitting on the mantle? Yes, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I actually thought Catherine was going to be dead in the bed next to him. Um, he also doesn't hear a word of what's going on, which I find quite strange <laughs> so unless he was like put under a spell or maybe he's just a really heavy sleeper but i would have thought um he would have heard what was going on um but yeah i was purely expecting him to wake up to find her sort of pecked to death in that chair but no she's lying in the bed next to him and she when she wakes up it's almost quite haunting like the eyes sort of like just flash open and she's also got, uh, when Kate Dickey wakes up, she's also got uh, blood on her breast yes. from where the bird was pecking at her. So there, it wasn't all a dream or a flash. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, lovely. Does anyone have any th- any other points they want to add? Or? William is impaled into a pile of chopped wood, which was about the only thing he could do successfully on the farm because it always goes back to 
chopping wood and Thompson even says that why don't you chop some more wood and he's got this literally by the end of the film it's a pile like as tall as the house of chopped wood because he, ah, he can't true. do anything else so he's just like I can do I, I can't do anything else you know I've tried building a barn and it's not going fast the crops are failing I can't hunt but you know what I, I can do the thing that's in my car, I can chop some bloody wood you know that can, <laughs> yeah. piles it high you know um, my last note is the film is set in 1630 and the Salem witch trials happened in, uh, happened in 1692, so that is almost 60 years after this. So you could almost look at this as an origin story of the witch. Mm. Mm. My as God. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of like how the folklore and stuff started, started around it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, if there's no other points, we're going to take a little break and when we return, we'll have our quiz, our fun fact of the day and some creative recommendations. Like Philip, I conjure thee to speak to me. Speak as that to speak to Jonas and Mercy. Dost thou understand my English tongue? Answer me. What dost thou want? What canst thou give? Wouldst thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Yes. Wouldst thou like to see the world? What will you from me? And we are back for our quick fire quiz round. So Gary and I are going to ask Paul some questions all based on the film. How are you feeling about it, Paul? Uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the film. I don't know how good I'll be with like <laughs> trivia on it, so we'll see. Well, as ever, I feel like, I mean, looking at my questions, some of them have already been answered. So <laughs> that's how good uh, this section it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, well, I'll go first then. My first question is, what are the names of the twins? Jonas and Mercy. Correct. When did the film come out? 2015. Yes. What was the name of the dog? It wasn't, wasn't old yeller. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid I don't know the dog. It was Fowler. Fowler. That just shows how much it mattered to me, that poor dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My next question is, what UK rating did the film get? Was that 15? Yes. Yes. Um, What was the name of their baby brother? 
Samuel. Correct. What was the name of the evil goat? (laughs) (laughs) Black Philip. Yes. (laughs) What does Caleb say he and his father went looking for when they were confronted by Kate? Apples. Correct. Yes. Uh, What is Kate Dickey's character name? (laughs) Catherine. Yes. (laughs) Um, my last question is what did Kate accuse Thomason of stealing? Her dad's silver cup. Correct. And my last question was uh, was this Anna Taylor-Joy's debut feature film, yes or no? I believe this was her debut because I think this was her film that got her like basically in with Robert Eggers and made her a sort of yes. star. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, mm. and it actually, then it was also his debut. So they put a lot of trust in each other, especially mm. for like that scene where she's is naked at the end. Mm. You know, like mm. first film and his first film as well. So yeah, a lot of faith, a lot of faith in each other. That this How is going to work. Was she? Oh, I don't know. Hang on, I'll have a look. I'm just curious because she's one of these actors that just looks so young. Hmm. Uh, born um, April 1996. Oh, she's younger than me. She's younger than me, yeah. Um, and yes, she's younger than me too, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so she's two years younger than me, so she'll be like 26 tonight. Uh, yeah, so at the time, this is 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was seven years ago. Wow. So, wow 19-ish. Yeah. That is excellent arithmetic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, lovely. Well, now we are going to share our fun fact of the day. So my fun fact is each kid, which is a kid as a baby goat, <laughs> has, has a unique call and along with its scent. So that's how its mother recognises it from birth. So it's not by sight. It's um, by its call and its scent. That's lovely. I quite like that. Isn't that like a unique... Uh, I don't know. A unique what, a, sorry? I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I would, but not today. Not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought, you know, on par with the theme of the film. <laughs> totally, totally. A fun fact. Um, so... The Satanic Temple had endorsed the film uh, for like several screenings in America, I believe. And their spokesperson, Jex Blackmore, if that doesn't sound like a Satanic priest, I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, addressed the film as an impressive presentation of Satanic insights that will inform contemporary discussion and of a religious experience wow so the satan church loved this film (laughs) no they totally did like like they ate this up like they were that's that's insane isn't it (laughs) like that's just like guys we're doing really great with the release of the film like all the satan worshippers just love it like (laughs) really really love it uh, I've not seen The Northman yet, which is Robert Eggers' newest film, mm-hmm. but supposedly, like, 
all the white supremacists are eating that up now as well. Like, gosh, um, yeah, they're and he's obviously not meant to make a film to do that either. But <laughs> that's I think wild. My fun fact of the day is actually the fact that in the nineteen thirties, it was cheaper to film than it was to record sound and like sync them together. So, in the nineteen thirties, Dracula, what they would do rather than like. ADR it or, or dub it for Spain or whatever else they would basically film during the day and then the cast and crew would leave and a Spanish cast and crew would come in and shoot the exact same film again and with a new director or new characters and then they would shoot at night and the English version would shoot during the day uh, and that was a lot cheaper than dubbing the film so wow yeah so the and supposedly the Spanish version of the 1930s Dracula is actually better, but nobody's really heard of it as much. So it's longer as well. Yeah. Hmm. So there's quite a lot of Dracula films, isn't there? I've been I've been working my way through them. Yeah. Have you? Well, how I've many? Been working, I've been working my way through vampire films. Uh, so I've done the first three original Draculas. I've done Dracula's Daughter and Daughters of Darkness. So Have far. you done Bram Stoker's yet? Not yet, not yet, yeah. I've not seen that one in general, so I still too. What an but excellent cast. Here's another quick fact while we're on it, is Robert Eggers was supposed to do the remake of Nosferatu. Um, but, because uh, it's like 100 years since that was made, but it's been supposedly pulled because Morbius did so bad in cinemas. Ah! <laughs> You are not Those joking. Two things could not be further away from. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh. So what's Morbius? Uh, Marvel's <laughs> vampire. Um. Awesome. Well, now, uh, just to round off the show, we are going to recommend something creative that we think you should all check out. Um, so it can be absolutely anything. And if any of you are listening right now and want to recommend something that you like or are aware of, please pass it our way. We'd love to check it out. Um, my recommendation is going to be a wee plug for another podcast. I know, how dare I? Um, uh, both of them have already been on the podcast. So it's Ellis and Gwilym, but I was recently a guest on their podcast is talk about isn't it yeah yeah congratulations yep. as well oh oh thank you <laughs> um, i kind of went on oh gosh so it was all about chatting about um, movie prequels and for some reason i thought it was sequels so i was very like geared up to talk about sequels and then i went oh no wait a minute it's prequels <laughs> so in the moment I was like oh so I'm very proud of myself how <laughs> many I actually came up with and remembered but um, yeah it was a good laugh uh, Ellis and Gwilym have got quite a funny sort of dynamic <laughs> so um, lots of people um, have been on it I think they're sort of reaching the 90 episode mark I think I don't know um, but yeah I'd recommend checking out you've been on it Gary is that right? Yes, I went on to it. I recommend checking out as well. Uh, we did an episode on Guilty Pleasures films. Oh. Yeah. Uh, one of mine that I remember was Jurassic Park 3. I was going to say Jurassic Park is not a guilty pleasure. No, Jurassic Park 3 one. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. Oh, I want to watch it now. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> oh jeez yeah no it's um uh it's a good wee podcast to check it out and as i said ellis and Gwilym have already been on the podcast before so um ellis the the good the bad and the ugly um and mm-hmm. our cinematic classic season and uh Gwilym was on very recently with our date night and he did about time as part of that theme so yeah check it out check it out uh paul what would you like to recommend Oh, creative things to recommend. Uh, well, if anyone is interested, actually, and uh, there's a channel I like to listen to on YouTube about uh, various, you know, they cover films, pop culture stuff, and they're called Wisecrack. Mm. If anyone's heard, they basically I like cover like Wisecrack. Mm-hmm. They're they're good for like philosophy on certain. Uh, films or TV shows and stuff, and they're they're really good. They're always really interesting videos. They had a really good host called Jared, and he left a wee while ago. But if you look at some of the older videos, Jared will be on them. He's he's the best. But um, other than that, as well, um, you can check out uh, with mates podcast. You might mm. hear a familiar voice on that, <gasps> and uh, the one hundred as well. There might be some updates there as well. The one hundred. Oh, lovely! Reviews. So, uh, hopefully, I have some new stuff out for you soon. Hopefully, cool. Um, but yeah, stuff happening there. But the one hundred uh, with mates and Wisecrack. Check them out. You won't. Can I jump in on that as well? Wisecrack also do or did a podcast called Show Me the Meaning. Yes, I've been and, listening to that as well. Uh, that has sadly came to an end, but I'm sure there's over a hundred episodes there to go and check mm-hmm. out. And it is very philosophical. Can't even say that word. I'm so tired. Philosophical. Philosophical. Um, so yeah, check check them out as well. I also can recommend With Mates podcast. I got to go into that and talk about Silence of the Lambs, my favourite film. <laughs> and when 100 was starting out, I had the pleasure of going on and talking about Midsummer. So, ah, yes. Um, mm. If you want to hear more thoughts on that, you can check out our previous episodes or jump onto the 100 film podcast. I uh, subjected Craig to that. Uh, he did not want to watch it, but it was my choice. And uh, <laughs> he was he was not happy. But he liked it. He liked it. <laughs> My creative recommendation is going to be for a small market uh, for screenwriters or people that want to become screenwriters. Uh, it's an app uh, called Highland, and it's by screenwriter John August. He has got a screenwriting software that he's released. It's free to use, and then you can upgrade, you know, to get rid of watermarks and stuff. But I recently in the last year, maybe more than that, moved to Highland and it's so easy to use. Um, John August and Craig Mason also have a podcast that I have recommended before called Script Notes. And I recommend that as well. But yeah, this is for screenwriters who are looking for, you know, something new to use. Um, very simple cool. and efficient. And you can do wee things on it, like you can set yourself like a 30 minute sprint so, like, you'll write for 30 minutes and you can set yourself well, challenges cool. and things. So, yeah, check that out. I have used um, Highland, actually, before, and I have found it very user-friendly and very easy to understand. And I got, you know, it it sets out writing a script for you really easily, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, so you can format it really well. So I would also endorse that. Wonderful. Well, 
Paul, thank you very much for coming on and chatting to us all about The Witch. Um, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and keep up to date with all of your projects, etc., etc.? Thank you ever so much for having me. You may find me mainly on Instagram at Stirrit Story, where I mostly post uh, funny wee lip sync videos from time to time, <laughs> maybe the occasional uh, update on what I'm doing acting wise. But that's the main place to find me there. Find me on The 100, uh, where we'll be releasing some hot new content, hopefully, soon. And uh, we've got uh, the With Mates podcast. I've just reviewed uh, the first two episodes of Kenobi with nice. some good friends. I so did enjoy. I did the enjoy the, uh, ah, the Well, I've got some thoughts. And oh, some dear. of them might be good, some of them might not be, but you'll have to tune in to find us. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Lovely. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Riddle Rebecca and on Twitter at Riddle R. And I'm still Gary, and you can still follow me at G Pro on Instagram and Twitter. And if you loved this episode, which I'm sure you did, and cast a spell on you thought did um please remember to rate and review subscribe share like it because the goat said so um you can send us your comments to choose film podcast at gmail.com as well you can follow the podcast at film choose on instagram and choose film podcast on I don't know. I'm Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> My mind is gone. I'm sorry. Anyway, you can follow us on our social medias. Yes, yes that's what I was trying to say. Um, you've been listening to Choose Film Podcast and join us next time for a review on the next film as part of our Good versus Evil. And we know what that means when I say that. It means that film choice is still pending (laughs) (laughs) and feel free to leave a comment as well as to what else you would like me to whisper into your ears (laughs) leave a comment what you would like Paul just for the record as well we're not endorsing that either Um, (laughs) (laughs) any money made from that shall go directly to choose film podcast (laughs) thank you bye bye